Good morning, church. Good morning. It's a wonderful day today. Uh, we're just so blessed with the presence of our missionaries today. As we celebrate missions this Sunday, just one of the things that I'd like to ask you would be this. What date, what year, that for you is something that's really significant, something that's really special? It might be your birthday, or it might be a significant event that happened to you before where you could not just forget that date. What might that be? For some husbands, they might even be forgetting their wedding anniversaries. For our church, 1820 really has a significance for us. What's 1820, by the way? Why are we celebrating 1820? <laughs> yes. It's, it's the time that our church was founded and established. For this country, 1812 speaks a lot, right? 1812 was the time that, uh, of the war between, uh, we don't call that Canadians yet, but Bitain and the U.S. But for some, it might be a year that might be speaking of tragedy. And for the Israelites, for the ancient Israelites, 587 BC is seared into the collective memory of the Israelites. Because it was that year that the temple in Jerusalem was destroyed and the Israelites were exiled into Babylon. It is actually in that context of 587 BC that Jeremiah wrote our text today, Jeremiah 29 particularly. It was the story of exile. It was a story of pain. It was a story of deportation. And for some of us, we might say that that is not something that's really significant because we could move into another country. But for the Israelites, that was not the case. For them to be in exile and to be deported is something that really speaks of the destruction of who they are, their collective and their core identity. Because the core identity of the Israelites are actually tied and connected to the land. Without that land, the Israelites were nothing in a way. Because that was promised to them. It was promised to Abraham. It was promised to Isaac. It was promised to, to Jacob and to all of their descendants. That land was promised to them. And so their core identity is basically tied to that land. And for the temple, yes, because that's where the literal dwelling presence of God is. And for the destruction of the temple, that was something that was not just egregious, but really something that speaks about the destruction of their own identity. And today, as we reflect on the, the, the writings of Jeremiah, we would be reflecting on our own Christian identity and how that relates to serving the world. We are already into our third series, uh, a vision series. We started with uh, following Jesus and loving the city that uh, Reverend Nick uh, preached on for the last two weeks. And today, we would be focusing on serving the city. And our third vision would be that of what it means for us to be there for the world. But you could not speak about serving the city without first identifying and delineating and defining who you are as Christians. 
your own identity. And so as we reflect on the book of Jeremiah, the first identity that we need to be clear of and what we need to be embracing with would be that we need to live out our excelic identity. We are a people in exile. And perhaps you might be wondering, it was only the Israelites who were, who were in exile. Why us? We're not in exile. We're here in, we're here in Canada. We're comfortable here. And for the missionaries, it was their intention to go to those countries and serve God. It's not an exile. But the truth is, every Christian needs to realize that your life is a life in exile. First Peter chapter 1, verse 1, when Peter was speaking about his audience, he was speaking of them as people in exile, people in Bithynia, people in Cappadocia. Well, definitely, yes, they were in exile because these were Christians who were persecuted, and so they, they were in exile in those cities and provinces. But Peter's conception of Christians as exiles does not only refer to those who heard of that letter. He was actually referring to that in the context of Christians. In 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 17, he says that we need to live out our lives as strangers, as foreigners, in reverent fear. In that way alone, we could see that Peter was not only referring to those original Christians who were exiled, but even to all Christians. And Philippians chapter 3, verse 20, it clearly states, for our citizenship is not here on earth, but in heaven. We are exiles in this world. And the more that you realize, you're Christians, that your life here on earth is that you are here in exile, then your identity is not tied to this land. It's tied to the kingdom of God. It's tied to heaven. And when you realize that, you are not any more concerned with what is just temporal, with what is material. And that is the reason why the Bible has always been reminding us not to be focused on what is temporal and what is material, because that is not where your identity is. Your identity is tied to heaven. And that is where God would be calling us into his kingdom. And so with that realization that we are in exile, then that means that all of the things that are important are not of this earth. What's more important would be what are those values of the kingdom. But even if assuming, for example, that you are in exile in this country, like you might be a refugee or perhaps an immigrant, perhaps because you have to leave your country because of all the turmoil that's happening. Yet, in all of those situations, that has to be identified and to be embraced by all Christians as well. And if you care to look at the scripture, you are looking at the way that the movement of people is not just our own movement. It is not just our own decision, but even actually the decision of God. Read our text again in Jeremiah chapter 9, 29, verse 4. Take a look at what God is saying there. This is what the Lord Almighty, the God of Israel, says to all those people I have carried into exile. Now, take a look at that text. 
It was God who carried Israelites into exile. It was not them. It was not the Babylonians. It was not Nebuchadnezzar II. It was God who sent them and who brought them into exile to Babylon. What's interesting is this, that everything that happens to us is not just because of historical events. It is because God willed it. Whether you're a missionary who moved to Japan or to Chad or to Tanzania or to other parts of the world, it was God who led you there. And for those people who, are, who have immigrated to this country and to this city, it was not you who made that decision. It was God who led you into that place. In all of these movements in history, God is at work. Now, there's, there's this beautiful German word, and Elizabeth, correct me if I'm pronouncing it wrong. Uh, by the way, Elizabeth is our missionary in Germany. And there's this German theological word that really speaks wonderfully about what this means. And the word is Heilsgeschichte. Am I pronouncing it correctly? She said, Heilsgeschichte. And roughly it means salvation history. Salvation history. That means that when you conceive theologically what Heilsgeschichte means is that in all of the things that are happening to us, God's salvation work is present. Even if it's a negative thing that's happening to you. Remember what Paul said in Romans 8.28, all things work together for good to those who love God and to those who are called into his name. Everything. And perhaps you might be in a tragic situation right now, and I'm not just talking about locations, but even your life situation where you might seem to feel that this is so tragic and this is so serious and this is so painful. But in all of these things, God is at work and God's salvation is at work in all of these things. Take a look at what happened to Jesus. He was crucified. And people thought that they were just crucifying a, a, a person, a human being, whom they said had just committed crime or, 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 I don't know, something that's wrong against the Roman Empire. But for God, it was his work of salvation. In all of the things that are happening in history, everything God uses for his purpose. It is God who carried those Israelites into exile. For what purpose? So that they would become his faithful presence in those parts of the world. Wherever you are, even in your workplaces, or you're living in the city, or in what other country you are in, God has brought you there to be his living presence. And we need to live that exilic identity we need to realize that in all of the things that are happening to us, we are in exile. And there will come a time when he would be calling us into his kingdom, into heaven. But until then, remain faithful. And so as we look at our own calling, as, uh, uh, in terms of our own exilic identity, we need to realize that there is that distinction there. And that is, we need to live out our distinctive identity as well. It is not just our own exilic identity, but also our own distinct identity. Miroslav Wolf, Miroslav Wolf, a prominent theologian and public intellectual, said, when he was reflecting on the book of Peter, he said, there is a new estrangement in which a Christian way of life creates. Let me repeat that. There is a new estrangement to which a Christian way of life creates. 
In other words, when he interprets Peter and when, what Peter was talking about being in exile, it means that it's literally an experience of social marginalization. Marginalization because of the fact that the moment you are a Christian, you are in the midst of an unbelieving world. And so you experience that social marginalization because your values, your identity is that different of that world. You are in the midst of an unbelieving world. You are in the midst of a sinful culture. And one theologian once said that biblical separation is a recognition that God calls us out of the world and into a life of personal and corporate purity in the midst of sinful cultures. We need to live as distinct lives as Christians. And when you try to read the book of uh, uh, all of the epistles of Paul, he was always talking about this separation and difference of our own way of life as Christians. And if you might notice, Peter and Paul has always been speaking about morality and righteousness and Christian ethics. Was he just speaking about morality? No. He was speaking about God's righteousness and God's calling for each one of us to be distinct as people of God. And that is basically the meaning of holiness. To be holy means to be separate, to be separate from this world and to be separate for God. And that is the meaning of holiness. In order for us to really serve the world, then we need to bring out and really need to live that kind of identity that is totally distinct from this world. It is a life of distinction. It is a life of separation. It is a life, therefore, that is lived for the glory of God. We heard of so many things that are happening in this world right now. Christians and really prominent Christians who have failed in their own walk with God. And perhaps that might be painful for us to even recognize. But the truth is, all of us are in the same journey. There would be points in our lives that we would fail. But in the midst of all of the sinfulness in this world, God is calling us out to live a distinct way of life. And thirdly, it doesn't mean, however, that just because we live an exilic identity and also a distinctive way of life, it doesn't mean that there's no engagement with the world because it's the other way around. In fact, God calls us to engage and to be present in this world. Jeremiah 27 verse 7 tells us again, but seek the welfare, and let me use the English Standard Version, but seek the welfare of the city to which I have sent you into exile, and pray to the Lord on its behalf, for in its welfare you will find your own welfare. Jeremiah and the whole of Scripture tells us that just because we live an excellent and, and, and distinct way of life, it doesn't mean that we do not engage with the world because it's the other way around. In, in fact, God is calling us to be agents of the gospel and the, the agents of his peace. This is his calling for us. And when you... I use the, the, the English standard version because of that word welfare. It's an interesting concept because the Hebrew word for welfare is something that we are familiar of, and that is shalom. It's not just peace. It means 
a complete sense of, of, of peace and prosperity, a sense of completeness. And so that is where God is calling us, to be an agent and to be his agents of shalom wherever we are, whether in your workplaces, whether in your homes or in your families, whether you might be serving outside of the country or serving here in Canada, serving international students, serving of our fellow Muslim brothers and sisters, serving the immigrants and the refugees. God is calling us to engage and to be the agents of shalom. But before we forget, this movement of shalom is not our, of our own making because it is God who works on that. One theologian once said, well, actually it was Chris Van Valt is an uh, African theologian, and he said that that aspect of peace is not something where a situation where people create. It is not an action that is done by others or by people. In fact, he says, instead, it emanates from a relationship that begins with God and is expressed in our relationship with others. That means that shalom is something that we do not create on our own. It is not by our own power. How many times have we done relief and development work and nothing happens? And missionaries would know that. How many times have justice been done in this world, yet injustice still continues? Nothing and nothing that could be done by human beings can change what is taking place in the world because of its sinfulness. It is only by the power of God that this world will change. And for you to think that you could bring shalom on your own, that's totally wrong. And that's totally a misperception, even if you're a missionary and you think that you are bringing this relief work into this country to bring peace. No, it is God who brings that. It is not you. It is only when you claim the power of God then that peace will abide. I pray that we would recognize that. Yes, we are agents of shalom, but it doesn't mean that it is sourced from our own selves. And, and that's why we need to ask our, ourselves two questions right now. First, how do I cultivate peace and the harmony wherever I am? Let me repeat that question. How do I cultivate harmony and peace wherever I am, whether in my workplace, whether in my community, whether in my city, whether in my country, or in other parts of the world? How can I cultivate harmony? And the second question that we need to ask would be this. How can I be an agent of shalom wherever I go? Whether you are driving, which sometimes I'm guilty of not doing a good thing, or whether we are just having conversations or studying or working or living with our families, how could I be an agent of shalom, really claiming that it is God's work that is in me? But when Chris van der Waal said about shalom that is being created by God, he also means that it is not just by virtue of our own actions. Remember that saying, I think it was Chris, uh, uh, Martin Luther King who said, peace is not the absence of conflict, but the presence of justice. But for Chris van der Waal, it's the other way around. Peace is not the absence of conflict, but the presence of God. 
It is not your work of justice. It is not your work of good deeds. It is not the, the good things that you are doing. It is because of the presence of God that there is shalom. And so today, as we celebrate serving the world and thinking of the ways that we could serve the world, think of three identities that we need to be aware of. First, living out our own exilic identity. Second, that we need to live out our distinct identity. But most of all, we need to live our peaceful identity as agents of shalom. And so we would be reflecting on that today. And here's this clear statement that I would like us to be called today to reflect on that. And that reflection is this, that wherever I am, wherever God calls me, we are God's chosen people living out our lives as distinct individuals and distinct families chosen by God to be his agents of shalom and to bring people into relationship with him. This is our calling. This is our mission. This is how God calls us into the space of peace and distinctive identity. And please take note that this calling is not just about individual Christians. This is a calling for all of us as a church. And so we would be reflecting on that as a church. Remember that the Greek word for church is ekklesia, which means the called out assembly. And so we are the called out assembly, separated by God for his purpose into this world. We are here in this city and this downtown area to be his witness for peace and to be his shalom. And so let us reflect on that today as we serve the world. Amen.